Hi, this is Farah Osbeck. Welcome back to Military Law and Life Matters, the podcast that arms you with knowledge so you don't become a victim of injustice. As always, I'm very happy to be back with you this Tuesday morning to discuss another case from that's been decided by the boards. This case I'm going to talk today is um, it's a Navy case. So it's a, a case about a Navy sailor, sailor who basically served in the Navy for um, quite a long time. He served, well, he went in on a five-year enlistment and he served four years and three months. So this goes, so it was a five-year enlistment. Interesting. Usually they're four, <laughs> sometimes they're six. This one, he, he enlisted for five years. So he served, you know, without any misconduct for four years and three months but at that point, at the four-year point, approximately, he unfortunately came up positive for, from a urinalysis for drug abuse, and the drug was marijuana. So again, as you all know, um, mandatory discharge for drug abuse unless it's waived, which is, is very rare. And yeah, they processed him for discharge with for an OTH. Now, it's not quite clear if he actually went to a board. Remember, if you have an OTH characterization recommended or possible, you could say you want to go to a board. It, it doesn't seem like he went to a board. I think he probably waived his board. So he got the OTH. He then applied um, to the Navy DR Discharge Review Board to get that upgraded. And basically... Um, yeah, it's, it doesn't really, I mean, he basically just contended it was um, inequitable. There's not a lot of detail of what it says the applicant said. Um, it's, it's just pretty much discussed for some reason. It just says the applicant requested discharge upgrade, but it doesn't say what his contention was. But in this case, he probably said it was like unfair or inequitable doesn't say, unfortunately, but the key, there's some good teaching points here because the, the Navy board looked at this and they discussed, okay, it's mandatory for, you know, drug abuse to be discharged. Um, and they say, you know, he wasn't court-martialed, he got an administrative discharge, but basically they look at a lot of things. And one of the things they look at is, I mean, this guy was in a long, he was in like four years He and he did really well. He didn't get in any other trouble. He, I guess he had been failed one fitness failure, but that, <laughs> that was not his basis for discharge. They had mentioned in the record. Um, but he had a very good service record. So what the board determined, and again, I want to cite you one thing. One of the teaching points in this case is because they upgraded his discharge to a general from an OTH. So that's, that's significant because he, if he has any VA disability, he can get compensated. He's not going to get his VA his GI bill, but maybe he doesn't even want that. But basically, um, every time you do an application where you're, it's like drug abuse, especially marijuana, you certainly want to cite what I refer to as the CURTA memo. It's, it's, it was signed by the then secretary. Um, well, he what it was the acting uh, performing duties of the undersecretary of defense for personnel and readiness. We we call that DOD PNR in the military. But there was a letter, just if you want to Google, Google the day, August 25th, 2017. And actually this is on my website, but it's basically, it was a memorandum from the Department of Defense saying it's a memorandum for secretaries of the military departments, clarifying and guidance to military discharge review boards and boards for correction of military naval records concerning requests by veterans for modification of their discharge due to mental health conditions, sexual assault, or sexual harassment. So in this letter, 
Um, there was one provision. It's on the last page of it. it on page four of this memo, and like there's an attachment. There is a paragraph, uh, which it is. Um, okay, it's I. Uh, it's I. It's paragraph twenty six I. I always, when I do applications that this is applicable, I always cite this, even though the boards know, but I make sure I cite it in my letter. What it says, the relative severity, okay, this is from that DOD memo. It says the relative severity of some misconduct can change over time, thereby changing the relative weight of the misconduct to the mitigating evidence in the case. For example, marijuana use is still unlawful in the military, but it is now legal in some states and it may be viewed in the context of mitigating evidence as less severe today than it was decades ago. Okay, that's very, very important. So they're not saying, hey, it's okay to use marijuana, but they're just saying, you know, things are changing, states are legalizing, it's still illegal in the military, so don't, like, it's illegal, you're going to get tested. And they, I mean, they don't want you using marijuana and then doing, you know, working on things, because it, you know, working on planes or anything. I mean, it does affect your mind. So don't get me wrong. They're not going to probably legalize legalize it in the military, but it's saying that um, again, it's a mandatory discharge. You know, it's now legal in some states again, marijuana, and you know, it's probably going to be legal in a lot more states as time goes by. This memo is from 2017. Did I say yeah? August 2017. So this is a good argument for saying, look, you know. I know I totally take responsibility. It was illegal. I shouldn't have used it, but I did it because of X, Y, and Z. I'm very sorry, but it's not considered a serious today. Look what the Curta memo says and, you know, cite that paragraph. And that's what I think the board used. I, you know, the board used kind of that. And also the fact that this guy was in over four years. So what they said is that, well, you know, some his, he had hit out a lot of pot of stuff and that, you know, outweighed you know, this miss one act of misconduct, but it wasn't such that they were going to give him an honorable, but they said that the board also considered misconduct was significant negative aspect of his military career, but did, did not rise to a significant, significant departure of military conduct. That significant departure, that's the language they use to get the OTH. So if you do something that's very significant departure of military conduct, they feel it was not significant Again, the only way they would determine that is because of the Curta memo, because drug abuse is generally considered significant departure military conduct. In fact, I mean, when I was, you know, a young captain prosecuting cases, that's when I, you know, we were prosecuting cases in the 90s, um, 90s, 2000, 2000 timeframe. I mean, they court-martialed people for marijuana use. I mean, literally people who had in like 16 years would get court-martialed, get BCDs. That, that's, and that's how different it is now. Uh, you know, if you're an airman, if you're not an, an NCO, um, you know, an airman, if they were an NCO used to get like an article 15 and discharge, that's kind of how it is today. I'm not sure what they're doing for NCOs. Frankly, I haven't had I'm not sure I have to look into that, but basically what gave this board the ability to even change it to a general discharge or gave him that, you know, the rationale, you know, the basis is this current memo, even though I didn't cite it actually. Yeah. They did not cite that memo in this write-up, but that's what it is. In my opinion, that's definitely what it is. 
because it wouldn't be just that, oh, he had four years in those. So those two factors. So again, you know, the more time you have in without any misconduct, and then this one time thing that you like mess it up to get you discharge, they felt, okay, we're going to give you a general. So I guess the teaching point is if you're doing an application, you know, make sure you cite the card of memo, make sure you, you know, apologize if, if you're admitting to it, like, you know, you don't want to say, oh, this is nothing. You apologize for your misjudgment or whatever, or if it was a mental health condition that caused you to have that being a state to use it, you discuss that. But, you know, the other thing is the more time you have in, the more positive it is. You know, I don't know if you had three years in, they probably could have also the fact that he in over four years, which is like a regular enlistment, I think was definitely swayed them. So um, uh, also the Navy, by the way, did not change his drug abuse from the D214. I find that, yeah, they didn't change the narrative reason. It still says drug abuse. They didn't change it to secretarial authority. So that is the case of the Navy sailor. Um, yeah, hope he's doing well. Um, I want to, you know, I want to just switch over to one little thing here. Um you know, I sometimes get really nice emails from people, little notes about the podcast, etc. And I, I got a nice email from someone. It's not, it wasn't really about the podcast per se, but it was about, it's from this lovely woman. I'm not going to reveal the names for privacy. Um, and, and she did actually give me permission to discuss this case. She did. So, but she um, wanted to tell me a story about her godson and we'll use his name his middle name was ryan um he was a really a great guy he was in the served in the marine corps and this young guy unfortunately he had a, he was a very young marine a very he had a really tough childhood he overcame a lot but it's the type of guy who you know he overcame and then when he joined the marine corps oh my god he enlisted and he found his thing like you know they're all a bunch you know, your buddies, you serve each with each other, you protect each other. You know, the Marine Corps has that really tight knit community. And he was just great in the Marine Corps. He was the type he deployed. Unfortunately, I'm kind of getting to the story, but he deployed um, and he actually um, unfortunately got PTSD from his deployment. But he was the type that even when he was like trying to upgrade his discharge, he got letters from people from like the captains he worked with, the staff sergeant that said, you know, they would be willing to serve with him in garrison or in combat. You know, it's the type they go out and do like, you know, 500%. That's how Ryan was. So um, unfortunately he, yeah, he, he got PTSD and then he'd commit, you know, some misconduct that got him discharged with unfortunately no TH discharge. But the thing that, you know, the, like the, per, the, godmother of Ryan wanted to, uh, you know, porch emphasize to me is that he was in the process of actually upgrading his discharge. And, you know, she got some information. I don't know. I think she found my website and might've listened to the podcast, but I think she helped him with that and it was pending, but he also, you know, in the midst of his troubles and dealing with the misconduct and he actually, you know, went to jail, like it was a civilian matter in civilian jail, but he was getting help, getting, you know, hooked up with civilian, with veterans groups to help him. That's the main thing. Again, another lesson learned, you really want to get help, especially the veterans groups, because they will, they know what you're undergoing and you need to get some support. You can't do it on your own. I mean, don't try to do these things on your own. You need to get help. But um, he did not give up. You know, I would say don't give up. So while he was like doing his discharge upgrade, he also, there's a way you can actually apply. To, I do not do these cases, but you could actually try to get your 
discharge considered not dishonorable through the VA. So you know how the VA doesn't allow, you can't get disability if you have an OTH. They do have a process you can appeal only, it doesn't change your GD14, but you go to the VA and you say, you know, based on X, Y, and Z that happened, please find that my discharge was not dishonorable. I mean, I'm kind of paraphrasing it, but there is a way to do that. And you can deal with, get help with like veterans organizations for that. I, I don't do that. I specifically, you know, when I do take cases work with just the military and he also, so he actually did that. He, and it, it got to the point where it was approved by the VA and he was getting benefits and he was really doing well. He was going to college, you know, doing a lot of stuff, getting, um, a degree and really had a positive outlook on life. And then while his, um, and then his also his application from, for the Navy was pending, but, you know, she did inform me that she wanted me to tell a story, just kind of, she was so proud of his uh, resilience and his, you know, not giving up and his persistence and getting, um, you know, really getting further in his life and doing very well. So she wanted to share that with me. And, um, I want to share that with you because it uh, just goes to show you, you like, you can undergo a lot of things, you know, either in your childhood or through, and in his case, it was not only childhood, but it was also his service deployment. Um, but again, he like duty wise, he was just fantastic, did great work. And everyone wanted to go to combat with him because he was the one that would be there to protect you and go all in and do <coughs> whatever was needed. Um, but you know, he, through that and then, you know, PTSD, he suffered and, and did some things that got him discharged, but he did not give up, did end up getting his disability benefits. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's like, so never give up. And, uh, I wanted to share Ryan's story with you. That's what happened with Ryan. So <coughs> that is that. And I really appreciate her sharing her, his story with me. Um, it was really touching that she did that. So, all right. So now we're going to go to the um, life lessons part of this podcast. And um, here's one I've quoted him before, Naval, N-A-V-L, N-A-V-A-L. Um, and that's his name. That I mean, that's if you ever, if you're on Twitter, he's on Twitter, it's at Naval. But he has one that this is one of my all time favorite quotes, because I think it's very profound. And it goes to show you that money can't buy you anything. You could have a lot of money, but there's certain things it doesn't buy you. This is the quote, a fit body, a calm mind, a house full of love. These things cannot be earned. These things cannot be bought. They must be earned. So again, a fit body, a calm mind, a house full of love. These things cannot be bought. They must be earned. So, so true. Like you're right. You can buy lots of things with money, but you know, a fit body. Yeah. You could have a trainer, but you still have to do the work. A trainer's not going to snap their fingers and make you fit. You have to do the work. They might teach you, you know, how to do it more efficiently. A calm mind, you, you got to work on that to make you, if you got anxiety either through help or, you know, anything, you, you really got to get help to, you know, help fix if you have some mental health issues or anxiety or things like that. So again, this, you can't buy that. Like, yeah, you can go get help, go to you know, counselors, but again, they are, you have to make efforts to do that. And a house full of love. Well, that's kind of, yeah, you can't, you know, you can't buy friendship. You can't buy love. So those things you have to cultivate. So I, I love that quote. I think it's, it's just very telling the meaningful things in life you got to earn and do yourself and you can't, you can't buy it. So I hope that was uh, something you enjoyed as well. 
Um, that's it for now. Until next time, never, ever give up because there is always help, hope. And I uh, look forward to talking to you next time. Take care.